And if you would, uh, take your Bible and turn to John chapter 8. And we're going to begin in verse 1 through verse 11. John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to be reading this out of the uh, NIV translation this morning. And uh, as you're turning there or opening up your app, and uh, I want to make mention that uh, as the uh, getting ready for Vacation Bible School, on Wednesday uh, I kind of gave that challenge of uh, 55 people being here because uh, I looked at the reality that statistics show that within the church in the United States that Vacation Bible School is the biggest outreach and reaching the most effective age group for people to come to know Christ. The older a person gets, the less, of, uh, less likely they are to accept Christ. So this week we have the opportunity to spend a week of bringing in kids at an age that they are the prime age for believing and receiving Christ as their personal Savior. And so that's where the challenge came about uh, 55 people because and you look at statistics about that great opportunity and yet the number that are so few to reach out that if we really just increase the number of reaching, we would see greater results of lives come to know Christ. And you know, as I was thinking about kids, I think about how exciting kids are. And I have, over the years, began to realize that you can learn a lot from kids. From children, you learn a lot about things from them that help you to be better as an adult. And having six grandkids now, I learn those lessons day after day. I had three of my grandchildren with me one day and my granddaughter had uh, got in trouble a few times and I had uh, kind of had to get a little bit stricter on discipline and she was at a point that I, she did something that she wasn't supposed to do and I told her that, uh, I said, you know, you're going to have to get a spanking. And she starts crying and begging for grace and mercy. She says, I don't want a spanking. Don't spank me. And she's just crying and begging, begging, don't spank me. And so I agreed not to spank her. Sixty seconds later, her brother does something that he's about to get in trouble. And before I could ever even say anything to him, out of that granddaughter's mouth came these words. Gigi, I'll get your belt for you. <laughs> now that's the same granddaughter that 60 seconds earlier was going, don't spank me please, I don't want to spank you please. But when it came to somebody else, I'll get the belt for you, Gigi. We forget many times about grace and mercy that is given us. And this morning we're going to look at the invitation to experience all God's grace. There's two words that you hear a lot of times as I mentioned about my granddaughter, grace and mercy. And those two words are kind of like twins, intermingled together, twined together. And that is that mercy is when we don't get what we deserve. When we deserve a punishment, we don't get it, it's mercy. Grace is when we get something that we don't really deserve. It is a gift. Matter of fact, the Bible tells us that, the, uh, that salvation is by God's grace. It's not of works. It is the gift of God. And so this morning, we're going to look at the invitation to experience all God's grace. Remembering that grace is something that we don't deserve, but God gives it to us anyway. But I believe that a lot of times as Christians, we don't experience all God's grace. And that happens because we get kind of self-sufficient within ourselves. 
I was reading a statement that Abraham Lincoln spoke in a speech one time. He said, we have become intoxicated with success and we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace and too proud to pray to the God that made us. What Abraham Lincoln was saying is that we have experienced in our adulthood success and we've become intoxicated with it that we have decided, you know, we are self-sufficient within ourselves, and we don't need God's redeeming and preserving grace. But I've learned through my own personal life, I need God's grace day by day. Now my granddaughter experienced grace and mercy by her GG not giving her a spanking and giving her another opportunity. She forgot to share that grace with others, didn't she? I want to look at Scripture in John chapter 8 about a lady that I believe if we could bring her into our presence today, she could tell us about God's grace and mercy. But she'd also invite us all to share into that grace. Let's look at this together this morning. John chapter 8 and beginning in verse 1 through verse 11. It says, But Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, and at dawn He appeared again in the temple courts where all the people gathered around Him, and He sat down to teach them. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. So they're bringing this woman in public view in front of Jesus and everybody. And they bring her as a woman that they had caught in the very act of adultery. Committing a sexual act outside of marriage. And at the end of verse 3 it says, And they made her stand before the group, public shame and embarrassment. Verse 4 says, And said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing Jesus. But Jesus went down and He started to write on the ground with His finger. And when they kept on questioning Him, He straightened up and said to them, If any one of you is without sin... Let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. And at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and he asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. I chose to read that that out of the NIV translation because that within the message within itself is about God's grace and that is go now and leave your life of sin. Some translations say go and sin no more. And as I thought about that, the statement go and sin no more is what we should be doing, but I've come to realize that in our minds we think, I don't know if I can never sin again, go and sin no more but it's what we should be striving for. But then I look at this, go and leave your life of sin. Maybe we can accomplish that. Maybe in our minds we can't fully grasp, okay, go and never commit any sin anymore, but maybe we could grasp, go and leave living a life of sin. What Jesus was telling this woman is, you have just received grace and mercy. You'll not be perfect, but go and live your life differently. Live your life by the reality that today you have experienced grace and mercy for yourself. God's grace 
Do we experience all of God's grace? I began to dig into the scriptures and began to look at all the different aspects of God's grace. As a matter of fact, if you got your app open this morning, you can look at the Bible notes there and it says this, God's grace is greater than all my sins. I love that statement. Somebody else loved it so much they wrote a song about it, didn't they? Grace that is greater than all my sins. God's grace, no matter how sinful you've been, and we can look at this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, and we can look at that in that day, and adultery as it was described was a sin that was punishable by being stoned to death. So we could say, man, that was a great sin, right? It was a sin that today people just say, oh, really? But in that day, let's stone the woman to death and let's put an end to this sin and may everybody else see that this sin is not acceptable. It is too great a sin. For some in here today, go, whoo. Some of us would be in trouble because we've had that in our life. Some would say, man, what other sins are so severe that can be treated that way? Have I committed so great a sin? I don't want anybody to raise their hand about sins, but if we were to kind of pull this room and if I asked the question, has anybody ever stolen anything? I can imagine that many would raise their hand just, just as I would have to do and say, yes, I've taken something. I remember one time I shared about uh, taking things that didn't belong to you, and I shared about when I was a very young, I don't remember how old I was, but there, my dad had a motorcycle dealership, and the guy that he rented from had a catering business next to him, my, the, the building that my dad rented from, and he had an old catering truck that he had junked, and it was sitting out in the back. And I was one day just prowling around like kids do, and I'd prowling around in that old junk uh, catering truck, and I'd seen he had left some things that he sold on there and he had like this little rack of different little miscellaneous things and it had clippers, toenail clippers, fingernail clippers. And I, and I thought, man, those are shiny silver clippers. Now, what does a little kid need with clippers? I don't know. But anyway, it was shiny and new and I, I took it. I didn't ask him if I could have it. I was in my brain, I'm thinking, this is a junk truck and he's not coming out here, so I took it. I shared that in the service and that week I think I got three pairs of clippers donated to me by people within the church. Wanted me to get out of the life of sin and stealing clippers. I say that to say that there are all different types of sin that come into our lives. And whether it's taking something that we shouldn't take, and some could say, you know, clippers, I've taken things a lot worse than that. And we'd have to raise our hands and say, we're thieves. If I were to ask the question, has anybody ever told a lie? We'd start categorizing white lies, black lies, but then many hands would have to go up, and I've lied before. We could go through a series of variety of things, and maybe even leading up to adultery or fornication, and hands would continue to raise, and we'd have to say, we've all sinned, haven't we? Matter of fact, the Bible says we've all sinned and come short of God's glory. But the good thing about God's grace is that God's grace is greater than all our sins. And I can tell you this morning that whether you were one that would be caught like this person in adultery and be categorized as being stoned to death, or whether you was like I was as a little boy and just stole a little clipper, sin is sin in the fact that the Bible tells us sin separates us from God. And I can look at that little sin in my life, and I've had a lot greater sins than that over the period of my life. 
But the thing that I rejoice in this morning is God's grace is greater than all my sins. And I want to invite each of you to experience all of God's grace that begins with that. I began to look at some of the scriptures about God's grace and in Titus 2.11 it says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. God doesn't leave any out. In Ephesians 2.8 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God not only gives us the grace as a gift to receive salvation, but He's got greater plans to use us for good works. For all have sinned and fallen short of the grace of God's glory, but we are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. The invitation to experience all of God's grace always begins that God's grace is greater than all my sins. No matter what sins you've committed in your life today, whether it's the smallest sin or maybe it's one that you think that is so unworthy of God's grace, God's grace is greater than all our sins. The second thing I found about God's grace is that God's grace is sufficient when I am weak. God not only offers grace as a gift of salvation, but if you want to experience all of God's grace, and I'm going to go on a limb and ask this question, how many of you this morning really want to experience all of God's grace? Would you raise your hand? The majority of us are saying, Amen, count me in. I want all of God's grace. Well, God's grace is not only greater than all our sins, it doesn't end there, but God's grace is sufficient when I am weak. Here's what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassing great revelations, this was Apostle Paul talking, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, to torment me. And Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but He said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. The Apostle Paul said, I've got a thorn in my flesh. I've got a problem that irritates me every day of my life. And I've asked God to take it away from me, but he said, my grace is sufficient. What did God mean when he said, my grace is sufficient? And Paul was in a weak point that he couldn't do anything to change his status, Right? This woman that was caught in adultery, he was, she was thrown there in the crowd in front of Jesus and everybody. She was helpless. She was weak. There was nothing she could do about her situation. But then came God's grace that was sufficient to redeem her at that point. See, God's grace is sufficient. That word sufficient is the word archaeo. And the word archaeo means it's enough to satisfy. It's enough to meet the need. It is all that you need. When that God, or when Jesus spoke those words to Paul through God's Spirit, He was telling Paul, no matter what you're going through, no matter what weakness you're facing in your life, no matter what suffering you're going through, my grace will be with you and it will satisfy your need. It will give you enough to make it through. God didn't take it away from the Apostle Paul, but He gave him grace to make it through it. And I'm thankful that a God doesn't always just rescue us from everything that comes into our life, but sometimes He just gives us the strength to make it through. 
And that's the other aspect that I see about God's grace. That is that God's grace is strengthening me daily. God's grace is greater than all my sins and God's grace is sufficient when I am weak, but God's grace is strengthening me every day of my life. The verse in Hebrews 4.16 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are. Yes, without sin. Let us then approach the throne of grace. I love that, those three words, throne of grace. The, the expression throne of grace, in my mind, just throne represents ultimate power and the ultimate point of authority. And then you just see grace. The magnitude of throne can be overwhelming. But what God wants us to be overwhelmed with is His grace, the gift that He offers. And so it says that, Come to the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. For sin, Romans 6, 14 says, For sin shall not be our master because you are no under under law, but you are under grace. We are under grace. God's grace is sufficient. And God's grace will strengthen us day by day to be able to stand no matter what we're facing in our life. I love this verse in 1 Peter 5.10. It says, And the God of all grace, who called you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To Him be the power forever and ever. Amen. That lets us know that God is not just interested in giving us His grace that we might come and say, God, please forgive me. And God says, I forgive you. I give you mercy and grace. But God says, I want you to have more. Not only forgiveness, but I want you to have strength to make it day by day because when you receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it doesn't mean that everything's going to go perfect in your life after that. It doesn't mean that everything's going to go your way. But it does mean, if you're listening, say amen. It does mean this, that God's grace will give you the strength every day of your life to make it no matter what you're facing. And he says here that sometimes we'll suffer for a little while, but he restores us, he gives us strength, gives us firmness and steadfastness through his power forever and ever. God's grace. God's grace also is enabling me to serve him. God desires for us to walk with Him day by day and to serve Him. And it says this in 1 Peter 4.10, Each one should use whatever gift and the gifts and the talents that we have, God has given us. Use whatever gift we have received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various form. God's grace is enabling me to serve Him by the gifts and talents that God has given me. And you know, when you take a good survey, God's given us a bunch of gifts and talents. I don't care how inadequate anybody in here feels. God has enabled you with His grace to serve Him in ways that maybe you haven't quite tapped into yet. You know, if you had asked me 30 years ago and said, uh, Brett, you think you'll ever be a preacher? I, first, after I got through laughing, I would say, first of all, I can't stand to stand up in front of people. Second of all, I don't like telling people what to do. And you know what God did? He called me to preach. 
And it's by His grace He enables me to serve Him in this capacity. I want to give you the last thing about God's grace. As a matter of fact, looking at this woman who was caught in the very act of adultery, the Bible tells us that Jesus said, leave your life of sin, go and sin no more. And then she's gone. What did she do after that? You ever wondered? Did she go on and say, well, I've received grace so I can sin more? The Bible says, never sin more because of grace. What did she do? I looked at another illustration of another woman that lived a similar lifestyle in John chapter 4. It says that this woman was a Samaritan woman. She came to the well where Jesus was and Jesus said, give me a drink of water. She said, I'm a Samaritan woman. You're a Jew. Why would you ask me for something to drink? And he said, if you knew who it was that was talking to you and the gift that I could give you, you'd ask me for a drink. They go on to have conversation and Jesus says, tell your husband to come. She says, I have no husband. He said, you spoke well. You have five husbands and the one you're living with now is not your husband. Can you imagine the shock and overwhelmingness that Jesus knew? She'd never met Him before, but He knows all about her life and knows the deepest, dark disciples came up of her life. And after she has conversation with Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus' disciples came up and the woman ran out to the people of the village and said this, Come meet a man who told me everything of my life. Could this be the Christ? You know what that woman was experiencing? God's grace. And the last thing in the app I put in there is, God's grace is to be shared with others. God's grace. If you want to experience all of God's grace, then you need to understand God's grace is greater than all of our sins. God's grace is sufficient when I am weak. God's grace has strengthened me day by day. God's grace is enabling me to serve Him. But God's grace is to be shared with others. Gia missed that a little bit, didn't she? My granddaughter. She begged for grace and mercy. But when it came to the grandson, I'll get the belt. I wonder if sometimes as adults, we don't kind of live like that attitude. We've experienced God's grace, but if people are living sin, give them what they deserve. Yet the Bible tells us from that woman in John chapter 4, a Samaritan woman who ran and said, come meet a man who told me all about my life. Could he be the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? God's grace is to be shared with others. Guess what? This week we have the greatest opportunity not only to experience all of God's grace, but at the end, to share God's grace with others. Lord, we come to You today. And Lord, I know that uh, God, in my own personal life, I have experienced Your saving grace. Lord, one of the most shameful sins of my life is not that as a young child I took those little fingernail clippers. The greatest sin in my life that has haunted me over the years is the fact that I know that I have used Your name in vain in the past. To know that before I received your grace, I used your name in profanity. And that haunts me because you, the one who came to bring me the free gift of salvation and to offer me grace in my life, that I would use your name in such a way. Lord, I want others to know and to experience all of your grace. The grace 
is greater than all of our sins. But grace doesn't end there. Grace strengthens us day by day, enabling us to serve you. But Lord, grace is something we got to share with others. And Lord, I don't know where the heart and life is of every person in this congregation today, but there may be somebody that to begin to experience God's grace, that today they need to realize there's sin in their life that needs to be forgiven. And God's grace, salvation, for we are saved by faith through grace. Oh no, it's not of works, lest anybody should boast, but it's by the grace of God, a free gift to each one of us. So Lord, if there's someone here today that's never received your gift of salvation, maybe they're feeling like I'm a good person or maybe they're feeling like this woman, my sins are too great. Lord, my prayer is today that they would receive your gift of grace, receive your gift of salvation and begin the journey of experiencing all of your grace. If you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, would you pray this prayer silently in your heart to receive God's grace, His gift of salvation? Dear Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I've messed up. But I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I ask you to cleanse my heart. And I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. Well, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you prayed that prayer to receive Christ this morning, you made the greatest decision of your life. If you prayed that prayer, I want to remember you in my prayers. Would you just lift up your hand to acknowledge and say, Pastor, I prayed that prayer to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If you did that with me this morning, would you just slip up your hand for just a moment and then put it back down? Thank you. Maybe today you know that you're saved, but you know you haven't been living out God's grace in your life. Maybe you've become kind of like Abraham Lincoln is. You've become so self-sufficient. You've missed the boat on God's grace. If you desire to experience God's grace in its fullness today and you want me to pray for you, would you just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I've let some things slip in my life. Yes, thank you. You may put your hands down. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you, God, for those who made decisions today. Lord, to experience all of your grace. And Lord, sometimes we kind of spit in your face when it comes to grace. You've given us a gift. You've given us grace. And it's something that we need to embrace and to serve you with all our hearts, but to share it with others. Sometimes we kind of act like my granddaughter. I'll get the belt. When we need to be saying, grace, give grace, receive grace. God, for any here today that may have prayed to receive you, God, may you be real in their life and may they experience your gift of grace this morning. Lord, for those who raised their hand and said, Pastor, would you pray for me? I've slipped in some areas of my life and I'm really not fully engulfed in experiencing all of God's grace right now. Lord, I pray that you'd be real in their life, God, and may you just smother them in your grace. Lord, may they be overwhelmed with joy. Lord, your word tells us that when we experience your grace, joy is received and abundant in our lives. God, may they experience the abundant joy of your grace. And Lord, I pray that some today will just take a challenge. You know what? I've received God's grace and I'm going to go out at five o'clock today and I'm going to share it with some other folks because I need to be sharing God's grace. I need to go tell people a man who knows all about my life and I've experienced his grace. 
Lord, have your precious will done and may you be glorified. In your name we pray. Amen.